بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اماباد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا الیونتھ آف مارچ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ discussing the importance of purity in the glorious deen. And the last report I mentioned was the blessed female companion, Sayyida Umm Mihjin, who would sweep the blessed masjid of the Prophet And when she passed away, the companions buried her without informing the Prophet And then the Prophet offered the funeral prayer for her again. And he miraculously spoke to her in the grave. asking her, what deed did you find the best? And she responded, sweeping the masjid. So note, the Prophet was highlighting the, in, the eminence of this blessed deed. So again, with regards to this deed and that noble female, maybe it was the same blessed woman that Abdullah ibn Abbas had related about when he said, A woman used to pick up the dirt from the masjid passed away and the Prophet ﷺ was not informed about her burial. He was informed and said, when any person passes away, you must inform me. He then prayed over her and said, I have seen her in paradise on account of her picking up the dirt from the masjid. This is recorded in Tabarani in his Kabir 11-238. Al-Haythami in Majma Az-Zawai 2-10 Hafiz Dimyati in his Al-Majjar Al-Rabi Fi Thawab Al-Amal Al-Salih The Reward for Good Deeds Number 247 of the English Translation So here it might not be the same woman However it seems more than likely it was Sayyidah Umm Mihjim But this time the Prophet simply said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam I saw him in paradise Just on account of her picking up the dirt from the masjid Indeed, in a more famous report, our beloved messenger said, وسلم, whoever removes something harmful from the masjid, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala builds for him a dwelling in paradise. Whoever removes something harmful from the masjid, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala builds for him a dwelling in paradise. Recorded in Ibn Majah 1-250 and Hafiz Dimyati in his Al-Majjar number 250. So here, note, it doesn't mention the size of whatever you remove. It could be something very small. But that is worthy of a dwelling in paradise. So notice, it's cheap. You can acquire paradise very cheaply now by doing these various deeds. And this is why one of the Sadaf said, buy now when the commodity is cheap. In another report, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, removing filth from them, i.e. the masjid, is the dowry for the large-eyed hoodies. Removing filth from them, i.e. the masjids, is the dowry for the large-eyed hoodies. This is recorded in Tabarani in his Kabir, Al-Haythami in Majma Az-Zawaid 2-9, and Hafiz Dimyati in his Al-Majjar number 251 of the English translation. So note, you are filling your paradise up the more you look after and maintain the blessed masjids. So this is the dowry. What's interesting, who these have dowries according to this report. In another even more amazing report, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, 
He who sweeps a masjid from amongst the masjids of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is then as if he's campaigned 400 campaigns with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa performed 400 hajjs and fasted 400 days. Subhanallah. Recorded by Imam Abu Al-Ma'ali Al-Sharaf Ibn Al-Murajja Ibn Ibrahim Al-Maqdisi in his work Fadail Bayt Al-Maqdis page 344 of the English translation. So again, mind-boggling. If you clean the masjid, so this is a you know, you do the in the entirety. You get the reward according to this report, as if you done four hundred campaigns with the Rasulullah. <laughs> Subhanallah. If that wasn't all, four hundred hajjs. If that wasn't all, you fasted four hundred days. So now, should we find this strange? The answer is no, because whose house is it? It's the house of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So obviously, if you are cleaning the house of the Creator, then you can expect an immense reward from the most generous. So again, note very easy deeds to acquire. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower his mercy upon Imam Bukhari. Consider his piety and consideration for the masjid. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani rahmatullahi in his Muqaddama Fattal Bari, volume 2, page 196. Muhammad ibn Mansur rahmatullahi he said, We were in the assembly of Abu Abdullah al-Bukhari rahmatullahi when a person picked up some dirt from his beard and he threw it on the ground, I thereupon saw Al-Bukhari looking at the dirt and then at the people. When he saw that the people were occupied and not looking at him, he picked up the dirt and placed it in his sleeve. When he left the masjid, I saw him removing it and throwing it aside. SubhanAllah. So, the great Imam Bukhari, the famous compiler of the famous Sayyid, he was doing a halaqa, and one of the people, he, you know, a very bad habit, he picked something from his beard, and he threw it on the ground. So what was it? Maybe it was a hair, or maybe something that was stuck within the beard. Imam Bukhari, look how interesting, he looked at that piece. Then he looked at the people, noticing, were they going to do anything? When he saw the people weren't interested, and he thought nobody was looking. Why? Because Muhammad ibn Mansur was looking. Because he picked up the dirt, placed it in his sleeve. When he left the masjid, he threw it to the side. So notice Imam Bukhari was hiding the deed. So this is also important. You can't do riyah with the deed of cleaning the masjid. So if you can try and do it at a time when nobody is watching, even better. Subhanallah, such indeed were the Imams of this Ummah. Notice they wouldn't let deeds pass by. Consider also the following report recorded in the work Golden Words by Sheikh Abdul Malik Mujahid, page 280. Once Khalif Harun al Rashid and his wife Zubaydah they quarreled over some matter and the Khalif became so angry he said, Spend the following night outside of my empire or else you are divorced. So what happened? Uh, problem in the household. And the Khalif, out of anger, he said to his wife, you got to spend your night, the following night, outside of my authority or else you are divorced. Kharun al-Rashid, rahmatullah's empire extended far and wide from China in the east to the borders of France in the West. 
How could she cross such a vast empire in a single night? Especially when there was no rapid forms of transportation. There was thus no solution in sight. So the people thought she's divorced. <laughs> because obviously there's no flights right, in those auspicious days. And she had to spend the night, the following night, outside the empire. Harun's wife was very dear to him. But he could no, not go back on his order. Time was passing quickly. And Harun was very worried. So the scholars were summoned to try to solve the dilemma. No solution was in sight. But all of them agreed that the divorce was now binding upon the Khalif. The scholars thereupon waited for Imam Abu Yusuf, who was the chief Qadi. When he arrived, the Imam listened and he smiled. He said, there is a way out, O Amir al-Mu'mini. He said, tell your wife to spend the night in a masjid. Because your kingdom stops short of the masjid. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he recited Surah Al-Jinn, verse 18. Al -Jin. Wa anna al-masajida lillahi Allahi ahada. And the masjids are only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So pray not unto anyone along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The scholars were amazed at Imam Abu Yusuf's intelligence. Zubaydah rahmatullah was saved from divorce by spending the night in a masjid. <laughs> so subhanallah. So now what's interesting about this, when you get the great imams, they weren't just memorizers. Because the other scholars also were memorized. Why couldn't they find a solution? This is hikmah. Hikmah is a gift Allah gives. So when Imam Abu Yusuf enters, the reason he smiled was he was probably thinking, what's wrong with these scholars? He goes, yes, there is a way out. Because what's the way out? And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? The masjids are only for Allah. Nobody has any authority over the masjid. That's why nobody owns a masjid. You know, you haven't got a reserved spot in the masjid. Why? Because it belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The scholars were amazed. In other words, the answer is simple once you know. And then, the wife of the Khalif spent a night in the masjid and the matter was resolved. Subhanallah, such are the sanctities of the sacred masjids which many ignoramuses in today's day and age constantly violate. Imagine. Astaghfirullah. And this is why the masjids... Nothing belongs to anybody in the masjid. It's all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Conversely, those who regularly attend the blessed masjids and venerate it as it ought to be venerated are most dear to our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. For instance, in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman number 9051, Qanzal Umal number 20,343, Sayyidina Anas radiallahu he relates that our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa said that almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said I intend to punish the people of the earth however when I see those who come to my house the masjids the one who loves each other for my sake and those who seek my forgiveness during the latter part of the night I withhold punishment subhanallah so let's look at this. So this is a hadith you could see. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He said, or He says, 
I intend to punish the people of the earth, meaning they are worthy to be punished. Would three things prevent me from sending the punishment? What was the first thing that he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, mentions? Those who come to my house. Now what's interesting, it doesn't say pray. It just says comes. Those who come to my house. So this could be for any reason. So even for instance, one of the scholars said, obviously you should go to the masjids to do some worship. But maybe you're tired. You come into the masjid, you just respectfully get uh, you know, a rest. He goes, you are entitled to this. So people who attend the masjids prevent the punishment from descending. The second, the ones who love each other for my sake. And the third, those who seek forgiveness in the last part of the night. So no masjids are mentioned first. A final word with regards to purification in masjids. Abdullah ibn Amr. And Makhul, they both related that our beloved messenger said, If I did not worry about my ummah, I would have made the use of miswak and atr, perfume, compulsory upon them at the time of every salah. This is in Abu Nu'im in his Kitab al-Siwak with a Hassan chain of transmission. Sa'id ibn Mansur in his Sunan. Kanzal Omal, number 26,195 of volume 9, page 316. So let's look at this. So the Prophet said, I would have commanded this, but I don't want to burden my ummah. What would he have commanded? Two things. So these two things, he would have made it obligatory if he wished. Before the Salat, use the Miswak. And perfume. At the time of every Salat. So look how interesting. Both of those are with regards to hygiene. So you got the miswak and you got the atr. So the scholars point out these two things are a sunnah to do before the obligatory prayer. So if a person offers some atr to you, it's sunnah. You take it. Or even better, you should have some atr with you. And then, you know, dab it on yourself before every prayer. And why should this again not be strange? Why? Because you're standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People go out to sin and they put deodorant and all these other things on. And what's that for? To commit sins? Then what about standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So note, atr and the miswak are very important. In fact, in another report, the Prophet said, I would have ordered them to use the miswak in every wood if it wasn't difficult for my own. So the miswak should be used definitely during your wudu and also Certainly, if you can, before the prayer. And obviously, keep uh, the miswak in a good state. Don't just put it in your pocket and it's got, you know, green in your stuff. Right? You know, keep it clean, keep it in some plastic, whatever, as long as it's in a good state. So let us start the section now with regards to salah. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, number 430, Sahih. Bazaar in his Musnad, number 435. Abd ibn Humayd in his Musnad number 59, Al Husseini in his Al Bayan wa Al Ta'arif number 542. Verily, if a person does wudu and completes his wudu, then he starts to pray and he completes his salat. Min min 
He then comes out of salah, free of sin, as he came out of his mother's womb. <laughs> he then comes out of his salah, free of sin, as he came out of his mother's womb. So look how amazing. This is a sahih hadith in Imam Ahmad in his Muslim. So what are the ways, or what is the way to secure your complete forgiveness? You do a complete wudu. You offer the salat and you complete it. And when you give the taslim, as you come out of salat, you come out of sin, just like you came out of your mother's womb. Now which salat was the Prophet referring to? So definitely, you could say it's the fard, but he didn't mention the obligatory prayer. So some ulama said it refers to any prayer, even a nafl prayer. So what's the virtue of two rakats nafl, according to some of the ulama? Complete forgiveness. Look at the virtue of the great deal of salat. Subhanallah, thus how strange. Namely, that the son of Adam loves to sin, but does not in correspondence love one of its great purifiers. The blessed salah. Look how strange. People drag their feet to salat. And when they're sinning, they're running. You should be running to your salat and dragging your feet to sin, not the other way around. With regards to what type of sins are graciously removed, we have the following fascinating report. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa inna hadihi salawati and verily these prayers are an expiation for whatever sins come between just as long as killing is avoided. This is in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, number 3811, 3865, with a sahih chain of transmission. So let's look at this. If you take the hadith literally, no matter what sins you've committed, as long as you haven't killed or spilled blood, the salat will purify it. These prayers are an expiation for whatever sins come in between, just as long as killing is avoided. So think about that. If somebody says, how purifying is salat? So you said definitely your mind is in 100%. But Allah's mercy is vast. And if you take sahih hadith into consideration, salat by itself nullifies even major sins by his great kindness and mercy. So in the previous report, why should we find it strange? You come out like your mother gave birth to you. It's such an immense purifier. Allahu Akbar, how great a gift which many sadly, due to no other than sheer ignorance, belittle and miss. Allah Ta'ala has given you five prayers. The way to look at it is it's the purifier. <laughs> right? So you get up for Fajr, you're thinking, I want all the sins I committed at night to be forgiven. Did I commit murder? No. Pray your Fajr. <laughs> all the sins I committed after Fajr, pray your Zor. It's the outpost to purify. And how purifying is it? The Prophet said, Lima As long as you don't kill, maktal means you know to strike. In continuation, those who guard their prayers are also a source of great protection for the masses. In Tabarani in his Kabir, volume 22, page 309, Behaki in his Sunan Al-Kubra, volume 3, page 345. 
our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if it was not because of those who offer salah, milk feeding infants, and grazing animals, then the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have descended upon you severely, correcting you eye by force. Subhanallah. So what did our beloved messenger say here in this authentic report in Tabaran? He goes, these three things are preventing Allah correcting you by force. So when you see a father strike the child, he's doing that out of love. I to sort the child out from a, a problem he's got. Allah metaphorically, he can do that. He goes, but what's stopping me from doing that, I reacting severely, are three things. Those who offer salat. Allahu Akbar, think about that. When you offer salat, Allah withholds. I, he will he will correct you without force in his kindness. Salat has that quality. Secondly, children, those who suckle to get the milk. And the third, grazing animals. That you see when you drive down the you know motorways and highways, you see him on the side. Because of them, Allah is holding back. And he goes, correcting you by force. So what is that in reference to? The Prophet ﷺ mentioned in a hadith in Ahmad that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if you seek forgiveness, I will forgive. Otherwise, I am the physician. I am the doctor. So if you seek forgiveness, Allah doesn't need to get involved, meaning he won't need to afflict you to get the sins forgiven. Otherwise, he will have to prescribe uh, medicine for you. So that is what's being referred to here. If you offer prayer, Allah doesn't need to give you a prescription. Allah will do it without giving you any hardship. Think about that. That's his kindness. Which one of us doesn't want that? Or do you want to get white to get the same result at the end of the day? So note the glorious deed of Salat is something truly awesome. It was a gift given on the night of Mihraj, which I mentioned. And people sadly fail to register how great a deed it is. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi subhanaka Allahumma bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika wa billahi min shururi anfusikum. Subhanallah bihamdi rabbil izati amma yasifun. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa al-asr in the sun of the fi khusr. Alladhina amanu wa amilu s-salihat. Wa asbihaq wa asbihsab.